0: This is a Rooster Teeth production.
1: Since the 1400s, there has existed a very bizarre phenomenon. Without any discernible source of ignition, individuals would burst into flames. It is believed that the source of the fire came from within their own bodies, so today... We're going to analyze the history of spontaneous human combustion. This is Red Web. Welcome back to another Mystery Monday. I'm Trevor Collins. With me, as always, Alfredo Diaz. Coming in with the gut check, perhaps. Wait, wait. That's a... Is it? Is this... It's a real thing? (laughs) We're talking about spontaneous human combustion! Who knows? I mean, like, I
0: guess, like, I mean, this is, I guess, I
1: mean, it's a conspiracy,
0: but, like, like, for
1: real? Is it real? (laughs) I thought it was just something that's in the movies. It's in the movies, and it's in real life, purportedly. All right, so this is, this is going to be another one of those, uh, like, interesting episodes that we do that kind of breaks the mold, kind of like the Randonautica one, where it's another ongoing mystery series that we're talking about. It's a topic that doesn't really have an opening shut case, it's just... An ever living mystery that we want to kind of take a look at some classic cases of what's going on here, some stories, some firsthand accounts, and then we'll make our own conclusions at the end. You know? Oh, I, I wasn't expecting
0: that. That's oh man. I so just, you've only heard of this in the movies? Yeah, I've only you know it's like oh you know such and such what happened? Oh, I don't know, they spontaneously combusted, and you know like it's just in the movies. That's all I know about. Just like this is a thing in the movies. I didn't think that this was something that was well not I don't, I don't want to say real but debated to be real
1: yeah i mean that makes sense cool. Fair. <laughs> uh,
0: cool i mean i just you don't hear on the news or see right. on like a twitter trending um that someone just combusted
1: right news today has another person drops dead from yeah. flames out of their god knows what, uh, <laughs> out of their gullet, <laughs> out of the gullet. Uh, yeah, it's it's super interesting, and honestly, you don't hear about it a whole lot, so I don't blame you for for kind of associating that with like with movies and whatnot. Just pop culture in general has really latched onto it as an idea, but mm-hmm. yeah, I it's it's really fascinating. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna break down some classic cases looking back into the history of this phenomenon and. Kind of how it got its start, perhaps, or the first kind of encounters with it. Obviously it has to have a first documented instance. And then we're gonna talk about some more modern cases because it does have a very long history of occurrences, but they're all very rare and few and far between. So we'll kind of we'll jump around and kind of see if we can start to figure out any commonalities before diving yeah. into just the phenomenon as a whole and any theories trying to address it. Oh okay. Okay. Yeah. This is a, this is a different. Let's get different. you know, let's get the task force badges just on straight. Here we go. And uh let's dive in. Get your notepads out, okay, because we're gonna be scribbling down a lot of like, ooh. We're gonna, we're, we're gonna be actively trying to solve this. Oh, uh, damn. <laughs> all right. So the first recorded case of spontaneous human combustion occurred all the way back in 1470. It was an Italian knight named Polonus Vorstius who had been heavily drinking wine in his home. His parents saw this happen and claimed that Paulinus was vomiting fire at the time. And that's a simple story. That's all we really know about this first instance. And we'll kind of dive into why later, uh, but yes, it's a very small encounter, not a whole lot of detail there, but you might, you might pick up even in the small details, some commonalities between this and some other ones. So let's flash forward a few centuries here. In 1726, there was an innkeeper named Nicole Millay, who was also recorded to having passed away from spontaneous human combustion. She was also known to be a heavy drinker, so we have a commonality there, boom, flag. And her skull and some vertebrae were the only bones found in addition to her feet that were left entirely unburned, by the way. So now in the remains, you have some ashes, you have some vertebrae in the back, you have the skull, and you have two entirely unburned almost untouched
0: feet all right see this is the whole here comes the whole like crazy conspiracy portion mm-hmm. you're telling me these people vomiting fire that sounds just real unfortunate oh painful painful how do you recover from that
1: i would say one doesn't i mean
0: you could you <laughs> could uh you know gut check you could persuade me and say uh, chemical X, Y, and Z mix within the gut mm. or something like that, and then and then here we go, boom, bada but boom, it, bada bing. It, it just stops burning once it gets to the feet. Like man, no.
1: that was a nat twenty persuasion rule right there. I think you know <laughs> you were putting down some good numbers. Yeah, so not a whole lot of people have come out of this alive, and we'll again, I, we'll, we'll kind of get around to that. But yeah, regardless of it taking their lives in that moment or later on due to wounds um, or whatever. But, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound like a, a fantastic way to go if one were to select. But what's even further more interesting about this case here, not only just the feet that were unburned, but there was a straw bed and a wooden piece of furniture nearby that were also entirely unaffected by the fire. Okay. Okay. Alright, okay, come on, okay, alright, alright, okay. You've seen Hereditary, you could, you've seen how that can, you know, happen, right? That's a documentary right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> total, <laughs> total documentary. It really happened. So as you can imagine, right, Malay's husband was suspected of having murdered her because you're like, alright, exactly your reaction. Come on, right? Well, suspected of murder, however... There was a testimony of a doctor named Dr. Claude Nicholas Le Cat, or Dr. The Cat, if you want to be English about it, convinced a court that her death was an act of God. And that's it. So the husband walks free. They discern that it's not a murder of any sort, and that something else was going on here, that there was some sort of phenomenon. In fact, Malay's story was written about, and I'm going to struggle here because it's Latin, but in the De incidis corporis humani spontaneus, which is the first reliable source of information regarding this phenomenon. It's an old text that kind of documented cases of spontaneous human combustion, bringing it into the public eye as a potential threat rather than just a scary story. And it's actually the same document or uh, text that inspired Charles Dickens to include it in his novel, Bleak House. So that's how it's starting to enter the pop culture realm all the way back in the 1700s. I can Active. hear you struggling. I can hear, you know, you're a little flabbergasted. I believe well, it. I mean, it doesn't
0: surprise <laughs> me back then, you know, to just be like, God did I, yeah. you know I mean, you had witch hunts back then and all mm. kinds of like weird stuff. Things that human didn't understand. So they were just like crazy stuff happened,
1: magic. Yeah, to be fully burned down to the skull and backbones I mean just those bones nothing none of the other ones I guess but also the feet very strange yeah it's so precise yeah it's very precise which fire is not not a precise kind of thing it's not
0: and if it was just like okay everything went but you know bones or um car I don't know cartilage or something like that then you can kind of like narrow it down to be like yeah. okay like you know, obviously, you know, the fire is not going to be hot enough to just burn through a bone uh, through a bone like that. Like it needs to needs a lot of time and needs to be really, really hot, et cetera. Uh, mm-hmm. But if fire is, is isn't out there picking and choosing.
1: Right. Well, let's let's dive into the next case and see if we could pick up any more commonalities here. So we have Matilda Rooney and her husband, Patrick, who were found dead after once again, another suspected case of human combustion. This was unfortunately on December 25th of 1885, so Merry Christmas. A family friend was staying with them, John Larson, who was staying the night upstairs. Larson claimed that Matilda drank a lot before, so another instance of, of heavy consumption of alcohol. Patrick's body was found laying on the floor of the couple's bedroom, and was found to have passed away, not from uh, combustion, but rather smoke inhalation. Matilda, on the other hand, was found cremated, except again for her skull, and both of her feet remained in shoes. And the only source of fire that was in this room, that the bodies were found, was a half-burned candle on the Rooney's kitchen table. So the question has to be asked, what burned so hot and so big to, you know, once again, burn this whole body down to the skull, and leaving just the feet behind, and producing enough smoke that it could kill the husband within the same room. And to kind of cap this case off, that makes it a little strange as well Is you know, the police suspected that the Roonies might have been murdered by Larson. So on one hand, they're saying, okay, well, you're the only person around. Clearly there's some sort of foul play at hand. And on the other hand, they're actually sitting there going, I don't know, based on everything we can tell, this could be one of those rare cases of human combustion. Ultimately, Larson passed away two weeks later, also from smoke inhalation. So we have a situation where this woman's body went up in a very quick blaze. It must have been very quick to not affect, once again, anything else around them. And produced enough smoke that it killed not only the husband, but the guest that was upstairs two weeks on. See,
0: that tells me that, okay, I believe that there is actual fire involved, Mm -hmm. right? Because what motive does the doctor have to sit there and go, "Ah, I'm just going to say it's like inhalation or, you know, smoke, you know, they just inhaled smoke. And then all of a sudden, you know, that that messed up their lungs and their system. And that was that, uh, there's like no reason to lie there. There's not really any like random motive and that's pretty scientific stuff. Like that is something that happens. You know what I mean? Like the fire doesn't get you, the smoke can kill you. Right.
1: Um, And you're not going to like suck down a bunch of smoke if you're, Unless it's an accident. If you're murdering someone, right? You're not like, I guess I'll go out with them, but at least I got them. Uh, like, you're right. Factually, there is a fire in play. And factually, you can see that the fire took place in a certain spot in this house and that it did not spread. So it must have been very hot and very fast is kind of all you can assume. Yeah, that's... Huh. This is... But like, okay, so literally
0: everything... but like the feet just the feet and the, and the shoes are intact. Come
1: on, man. How does that I guess like where does the fire start? I guess that's a good question. See, that's the question because if you're stood up, what's the closest to the ground? Fire tends to go up, right? Heat rises yeah, the yeah, reaction. Rises. the chemical reaction of fire goes upwards. If it consumes the body, it doesn't inherently need to travel down. If it burns fast enough, it doesn't have to travel downward to consume everything it's touching, right? So yep. maybe that's why. The feet are left behind maybe the hands would be left behind too because I'm just thinking it's a long extremity there's not a whole lot of bone there compared to everything else that's going on right you just have your little bone leg bones right so yeah you know <laughs> some bone but I mean all things considered I, I guess I can make that work out you know if you're assuming that this phenomenon is actually what's happening yeah like I guess that plays it intrigues me. <laughs> it's very fascinating. And so then your gut says, well, fine. Okay, these are these are old times, you know. They're saying it's an act of God. They're saying, like, there's a story of this Italian knight that wasn't documented for a while. Like, it wasn't, and again, I'll get to this, but it wasn't written down for quite some time. So is this just hearsay? Is this just archaic misinformation, the lack of scientific knowledge? Well, I don't know, because we're going to dive into some modern cases that come all the way up to 2010. This is something that kind of consistently okay, here we go. happens every few decades, like there's another case. So let's jump into the death of Mary Reeser, who was a notable case of suspected spontaneous human combustion. This happened before she went to bed on July 2nd of 1941. And before going to bed, she told her son that she had taken two seconol pills, basically just pills that you would take typically before a surgery to relax, to kind of knock down your anxiety, They're barbiturates, as it were, and she intended to take two more of these pills after calling her son. At this point, Reeser fell asleep in her chair. The next morning, the landlady, Pansy Carpenter, smelled smoke when she came to deliver the telegram that was meant for Reeser. When Carpenter opened the door, or she tried to open the door, she realized the doorknob was too hot to touch, and so, as you can imagine, she immediately called the police for help. That's just a little uh, factoid there for all the kids at home. You touch a handle, it's hot, Risk of fire. Okay, mm-hmm. call nine one one. No one's gonna get this, but
0: you know if you see backdraft, you know. I don't know. <laughs> oh,
1: damn it! <laughs> I I was, uh, all right,
0: all right, hold on. Work, work, let's, work, get to, let's
1: get let's get right. it back.
0: Backdraft a uh,
1: backdraft pizza.
0: There's a movie about okay. firefighters, uh, Chicago firefighters, um, didn't, is two brothers didn't get along. They had to work together. Dang, because there's there's an arsonist that's loose. Um. This was this movie was released in 1991. It had it had William Baldwin, Kurt Russell, Donald Sutherland, yeah. And, oh yeah, Whoa. and Scott Glenn too. Whoa. Yeah. That's Just what I learned. Just two brothers. Just two brothers. Don't get along. There's an arson loose. Got to solve the the case.
1: Dang. This this is a stacked movie.
0: Yeah. It was a good movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to Reese's unfortunate demise here. So When Pansy opened the door to come inside, eventually, right, with the police, I should say, the police came in, and they almost missed her cremated body in the damaged chair. They almost couldn't tell that someone had been sitting there, except when they looked down, and they saw her left foot was entirely unburned and still in her slipper. Here we go again. (laughs) Now, there is imagery of this online. What? If you're going to look it up, Heavily, You know, heavy viewer discretion yeah. is advised, right? It's, it's black and white. It doesn't look as gruesome as it potentially could. It is older footage, but it is what it is. Uh, but for those of you who don't want to look it up, it's simply not. Okay, it's not like a foot at the ankle going down. It kind of cuts off on the lower end, the lower half of the shin. And then it's, as it says, it's just a foot and a slipper. Very odd and completely untouched, uh, surrounded by, obviously, a bunch of ash and the chair being melted and burned down. Much like a chair would be if you yeah. lit it on fire.
0: Okay. So here's a here's a non-scientist. Okay. Trying to science this shit up right now. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So it kind of seems like a mixture of things within the body. Um, sounds like, you know, either someone's taking alcohol or certain medication whatnot that's triggering things. If I'm to believe this, Mm -hmm. something's being consumed. It's being triggered within the gut, the stomach. And if the, the flame in order to pretty much just incinerate everything, except for the shins down or or whatever, it'd have to burn very hot, very, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very, very hot. And then immediately stop. Right. Yeah. And immediately stop. But then heat would rise. So I, I mean, if it was literally like a, Burst. Maybe it's like it shoots obviously shoots upwards, consumes sure. everything, but that pressure, that energy, that force shoots down, reaches towards the feet, and then you know, rises back up. What? What right? pressure?
1: What what energy? I mean, like wouldn't there be like Are you if, talking about like the heat the splashing heat. off the ceiling and kind of uh, not rolling splashing
0: down? more just like like if i'm assuming there's some type of like explosion within your stomach right like a fiery explosion that consumes the top half but obviously just the the force of the explosion pushes down towards your
1: ankles and
0: then shoot and just ends up rising back up
1: i don't know if i'm capturing the imagery here i might need a diagram (laughs) man (laughs) I, I I I i think i'm getting what you're saying though which is like, if there's some sort of mysterious, yet to be determined, right, chemical reaction happening inside these bodies, and maybe it is biological, in a sense, something to do with their DNA or their genetic makeup of some sort, right? Maybe they have a high level of, I don't know, I'm just going to make something up, stomach acid. I don't know what other fluids are kicking around in there. (laughs) Or maybe they have a high level of bile or or just some sort of like an, an acidic bile or something That then combines with something that they eat. Maybe it's alcohol in some form because a lot of these- That's insane. Are are heavy drinkers such that we've seen so far, or this person has taken some barbiturates. And uh, maybe it's just a very, very rare combination that then sparks like thermite and it burns hot and fast and there goes the body, the fuel's consumed and the fire then stops. I don't know. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like thermite. It's, yeah, like except thermite does continue to burn and burn and burn. But whatever the biological version of that would be. And maybe, maybe that's like, we are ancestors. Our d- dragons were our ancestors, right? And like fire breathing was a thing and we got bad at it. We lost
0: it over time.
1: And then when we tried it again, we just kind of like re- really messed it up.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah, man. Yeah.
1: There are definitely like some bugs. I think there's a bug that spits out like two chemicals and when they combine it basically like melts its prey and it smokes and stuff so it's not entirely unheard of for biology to to have reactions of this nature
0: yeah nature gets getting real like wild with it yeah Yeah. I see that
1: well what's interesting here so we have another familiar symptom however a little different very strange that I didn't know about this one among the ashes and the um, the gore I should say they also found pieces again of her vertebrae and her skull. However, this time it is said, and I'm gonna quote here, that the skull was shrank, quote, to the size of a teacup, end quote. That, I'm not sure if I can believe, and that is why I actually stumbled into the photographs because I was looking for photos of this. Perhaps they exist, but to the size of a teacup, I know there's like shrunken heads, but I don't know the whole process about around that. And I don't know if, I'm just trying to think of the skull itself actually shrinking. And I don't know if that's possible that happen
0: i mean we know nothing yeah i mean we're just like lunatics online i (laughs) but like yeah to get a skull to
1: shrink i mean it's a thing isn't it like so there is a a process to create a shrunken head i don't want to go into that process because i am (laughs) completely just looking this up i don't know the process yeah but it is i just wanted to confirm this part it does involve removing the skull from the neck and then the rest is kind of dried down so again i don't it's interesting right that they're saying that the skull was in fact shrunken down i don't know if i have any evidence of that that i can find immediately but it just seems like this might be the one piece of evidence that we're kind of fancying up the situation and all it's doing is clouding clouding the possible (laughs) evidence here right
0: yeah i think the thing too is i mean again we know nothing Mm -hmm. but i would think that if you were trying to shrink a skull it'd have to do with I don't know, kind of depleting the moisture in a certain way after a certain, you know, during a certain time frame or something like that. Not yeah. burning it, it so it shrinks.
1: Right. That's, that's. I mean, even if a skull could shrink, that's, I'm with you. Uh, I don't know if necessarily just like being burned would, would do that, especially since other victims of this phenomenon yeah, didn't happen. Right?
0: Because when bodies are cremated, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't always fully cremate the entire body, sometimes there's pieces of bone and stuff like that. I've never heard of those bones possibly being just baby bones, like tiny oh, versions. I was gonna you say baby-fied. <laughs> just you know what I mean? Like yeah, baby I mean, bones
1: know. of your body. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is that now we start to as we enter the modern era, we get a little bit more around the case, a little bit more documented observation. So around the area, some of the objects nearby. Mary Reeser actually did start to melt a little bit, but they did not show signs of burning. There were no burn marks elsewhere in the apartment. So all we can now add to the list here is that the fire burns very hot and it again must burn very quickly, but hot enough to radiate out. And you have to imagine the door handle was hot. She wasn't sitting by the door handle. So what it must have done is really dramatically increased the heat the radiation coming off of this fire enough to make the door handle hot enough to melt some of the nearby items. But again, not enough to burn anything else. Very strange.
0: I, uh, uh,
1: fire's not selective. It's not selective at all. No. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Cause if it burns so hot
0: to like just incinerate a body and then create enough, generate enough smoke where someone can die from just a uh, smoke poisoning and and then the uh the handle was hot Mm-hmm. like why are we not essentially burning the place down at this exactly,
1: point? exactly exactly and what's even crazier is you say you know fire is agnostic and mostly that's true right there are things that fire won't necessarily burn like a cup of water but here's the thing nearby to this incident and this is just exacerbating the point there was a stack of newspapers okay They didn't catch fire. This is a newspaper. This is some dry, dry paper. Oh, come on. In fact, this whole situation went down without any of the neighbors nearby having any idea of it. No one had any idea that there was a fire. No one had any idea that this had happened to the unfortunate Mary Reeser. It just did. So again, just more points in the extremely hot, extremely fast column. Whatever that means. I'm not saying it has to be spontaneous combustion, but whatever's going on, It's fast, it's happening when they're alone, and it's over, and it's hot. But anyway, investigators found that it was not an electrical fire, so that kind of marks that one off, and they were baffled at how the fire would behave this way, much like you and I are. The remains of Mary Reeser were sent to the FBI, and they found ultimately nothing combustible from what did remain, but they did find melted fat in the rug, which is a bit grotesque, but it does go to say that, okay, maybe that like they weren't entirely burned apart you know maybe this fire went so hot and fast and and that it was not enough to burn the whole body to to smoke you know what i mean or, but rather yeah. that it was so hot that some of the more soft tissues of the body basically just melt away and that that's why this is able to go boom so fast just gone but it's very it's it's honestly kind of spooky when you start to think about it and you think of it as like you know we all fear the unknown what's around this dark corner you never know But to have the idea that at any given moment you could just burn apart in a few minutes or seconds or I don't know, and no one know why, like that, it's very spooky, very unsettling.
0: It is, but you'd have to think that this would, I don't know, there's just so many people out there Mm -hmm. in the world that you'd have to think that this would happen more often and then at this point that we would be like, okay, don't mix these together
1: right yeah I mean I don't know maybe it's just such a rare combo yeah, of stuff so rare? I mean
0: there are a lot of super rare medical cases um, this could be something that fits along that line but yeah, I don't know if people are just sitting there just like alright I drank some alcohol and I have this genetic mixture or whatever you think that it would happen more than like I don't know once every hundred years or so like
1: yeah You know, maybe it maybe it does, too, and it's just either not documented or whatever, because the worst part about this is, again, however you feel about the subject, let's presume for the moment that it that it's actually what's happening, because if you take it at that value, all the evidence is burned, man. Like, how are you supposed to figure out what exact chemical combinations that uniquely combined to happen in this moment to unfortunately burn this person in but a moment? It's all gone. There's no way to really dissect it. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe maybe there are some cases where the house does burn down and it looks like a normal fire or, or something. We, It's just, uh, it's really fascinating. And and to be in the modern times and to actually have the door open to something like this is really, it's just like, that's what keeps me so intrigued on this.
0: As soon as you said like, oh, this happened in you know, a recent case and or somewhat recent case in 2010, I went, okay, here we go go you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. at that point i'm banking (laughs) on modern technology to kind of really help push the uh narrow the the narrative one way or or another
1: right right you would expect you know an a high quality iphone video of like (laughs) something going down or like you know maybe maybe when one happens the next couple decades we'll have someone's home video capture it we're all gonna be freaked the f out but see someone just poof but let's dive into. Now we're getting into the the even spookier times because now we're in the 80s, and and then we'll follow up with the uh, the one from 2010 here after this. But in 1982, the family of 61 year old Jeannie Saffin witnessed witnessed okay finally there was a witness okay, here well, here we go witnessed her burst into flames as they sat in their kitchen. Wait, what? Witness who burst into flames? So the family of this 61 mm-hmm. year old basically witnessed Jeannie Saffin. Got it. The matriarch of the family basically burst into flames as they're all sitting in the kitchen. What? And her brother-in-law Don Carroll claims that the fire started in her stomach, saying this quote: "The kitchen wasn't damaged, but her cardigan melted. The inquest never sorted it out, but I know what I saw." End quote. So Don and Jeannie's father Jack Saffin uh, were able to put the fire out. However, Jeannie unfortunately passed away in the hospital eight days after. So now we have the very first, at least that we're covering here, documented case of someone who underwent this phenomenon and then survived at least for the time being. I don't think we have any quotes from them. I don't know if they were comatose from uh, injuries, but we don't really have any any firsthand account from Jeannie themselves as to what happened or what they experienced. But Jeannie's family also claims that her clothes did not end up on fire, that the only source of the fire would have to have been the pilot light in the stove because otherwise there was no other source of flame in the room. Some theorized that perhaps the father's pipe was the source of the flame, but at that time, it had already been put out. So investigators were starting to say, okay, well, maybe there was a stray ember from the pipe that could have lit her nylon shirt on fire. And so, you know, there are a couple of uh, little caveats here that could open the door to the possibility of just a freak accident, something that we couldn't have e- expected, right? And maybe that's why it looked like it's emanated from her stomach because an ember landed in the folds while she was sitting in, in around the stomach area. But this is one of the very few eyewitness cases in modern history. Carol also claimed, by the way, this is the person that I quoted before, but claimed that the fire was actually also coming out of Jeannie's mouth and that she, quote, roared like a dragon and quote. The Yeah, (laughs) I I guess I joke about dragons, but I mean, so anyway, the investigators on this note did not find any evidence of burning in her mouth. So you can trust this or you can say this is a bit sensationalized, but I do have an anecdote. It's not a personal one, but it kind of goes to support this in a way. Now, I've heard stories of people who cook whole turkeys or whole chickens, and I'm talking like whole and they stick them in the oven and hot air escapes out the neck as steam is created and the the bird is cooking. And if it affects the vocal cords, it can create a bit of a scream sound. And people have reported that they've had chickens or turkeys or whatever in the oven screaming. And it's unsettling to say the least, but no, it's definitely a dead animal and it is not screaming. But if this person, if Jeannie had some fire blazing in her stomach from some freak combination of chemicals... And that fire burst out her esophagus because heat was just looking to expand. Like you were saying, maybe there was some sort of explosive pressure. Maybe it could have been quick enough to not burn the mouth, but would have been enough to basically blow past the vocal cords and actually create a sound. I mean, so it I mean, is entirely like a, possible. Like, like a kettle, right? Like Right. In a, yeah, in a weird way, yes, like yeah, a kettle. Yeah, I guess. Like, so like, I can
0: see it. It's the, the yeah, the an airport i can see it I that would be terrifying
1: it. though you know grandma starts spitting fire and roaring
0: why are we, why, but like why wouldn't we have more cases though
1: i mean we're not covering all of them we're covering a handful of like some That's of the key true. ones but remember yeah, yeah. the very first documented case was not necessarily roaring like a dragon and, and flames coming out but but vomiting flames is what they said so there is a bit of an overlap here that like there is a consistency between all of these stories that is kind of unique in this realm i mean when you when you talk about a lot of people undergoing various paranormal activity or whatever there tends to be some overlap or whatever but this is probably the most consistent case by case decade by century by century situation that i've seen and again i don't know if it's people building off of stories that they've heard kind of like aliens and abductions or Or if there is something else going on here. It's just the consistency is actually pretty startling when you really think about it.
0: Then again, it just takes like, you know, people that want to get involved with it as well.
1: That's true. I don't want to get involved with it. I'll just let you know Uh, that. Look, if I burn to pieces, it was not me.
0: Yeah. Aliens and
1: stuff like
0: uh, (laughs) sure. Sure. You know, you want to believe Um, no one wants to be set on fire.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, no one wants to be sucked up into a spaceship and tossed out back onto a Wendy's, you know, like. Some people do. Some people do. I uh, I don't know, man. But let's talk about the 2010 case. Let's kind of of wrap up the cases here and let's see again if we can find any other similarities, just kind of continuing that trend. So this one happened to Michael Faraday, who was 76 and considered a possible case, once again, of spontaneous human combustion. This happened in Ireland on December 22nd, 2010. So we have another kind of Christmas or holiday situation here. Don't think that has anything to do with it, but maybe. You got to think about fireplaces being involved. You got to think about, you know, heat elements being in play in these colder Mm -hmm. environments during the, the, the winter seasons. But Faraday's neighbor, Mr. Mannion, woke up to the sound of his smoke alarm going off. He got no answer when he knocked on Faraday's door. So he got another neighbor to start helping. Like, hey, let's get in here. Let's, something's going on. There's a fire alarm. I can't get in. Yeah. When they got in, Faraday was found lying on the floor on his back with his head closest to the fireplace. But his body was totally burnt, but not all the way down to ashes. The floor below him and the ceiling above him were the only other things in the room affected by the fire. So I imagine that at some point when he was on fire, he was laying on the ground and that the heat was dramatic enough and the smoke dramatic enough to rise up and create a mark on the ceiling. So this is, you know, one of those other instances where there really isn't a whole lot of fire spreading here. Now, the police did not suspect foul play, but they also did not believe Faraday's death to be caused by the fireplace, which is interesting because you would think so given where they were laying, given the fact that perhaps they were lighting a fire and maybe when striking the match, a piece of the, you know, the, red stuff on the tip of the match could flick off hit the hit the sweater or something who knows but they're they're saying we don't think whatever it was that caused this was the fireplace
0: damn that's that like frustrating middle ground right where you know like like the, the previous story with the family it could have been you know sure it could have been x y or z right it could have been like this uh was it the the pipe or whatever or something like that um the ashes could have gone on to the cardigan sweater or whatever Mm -hmm. here is one of those situations where it's like well i mean you'll probably say maybe it was caused by the the chimney or whatever it's like no that that definitely wasn't it that's like i guess confirmed to not be it
1: i mean again these are these are the people that were there on site these are professionals so you want to say sure i believe you but Unless I guess I have my eyes on it. I'm like, is there a starter log, a naked untouched starter log in that fireplace? Is there some untouched firewood? And yes, sure, some people keep untouched firewood in their place because in their fireplace, because then it's it looks nice. But to me, that kind of tells more of the story. Was this person, in fact, in the midst of interacting with their fireplace in some way and then this went down or was the place that they collapsed just ironic in that way? But pathologist Grace Callergie noticed that while Faraday had diabetes and hypertension, they noted that this individual did not experience a heart attack. So, you know, we have some conditions here of the body, right, they have a couple ailments, but it wasn't because of those ailments that they passed away, that it was in fact from the fire. And then we have 25-year-old coroner, Dr. Kieran McLaughlin claimed, quote, "'This fire was thoroughly investigated, "'and I'm left with the conclusion.' that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion for which there is no adequate explanation, end quote. And so there we have it. We have one of our most recent, if not the most recent instance of this, and we have young professionals out here claiming that this is what it is. It's SHC, right? This person fell victim to a phenomenon that we don't fully understand still.
0: And that was that? I mean, there's a lot of like, uh, was it like medically... like medical mysteries so it's not super far-fetched to like think that it's a super rare thing i just there's just so many key things that just like intrigue me and baffle me and confuse me like the newspaper and one of the situations and Mm -hmm. how i don't know the fire doesn't just consume consumes so much or it's like it just burns so so hot or the door handles hot but then yeah. like nothing else is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's untouched.
1: Yeah, it's it's very strange. It seems so precise. Very
0: precise. And very fire, precise. Fire, I don't know how precise fire is. I mean, it just spreads.
1: Not very. Give it, you give know, it
0: oxygen. I don't uh, you know. I will just, just breathe itself and go.
1: Yeah. I, you know what's interesting to me? And again, we always do the theories at the end, but I can't help but think, you know, you're talking about how few cases there are. And let's be clear, there's about 200 cases or so that have undergone or have some sort of spontaneous human combustion involved. And what's fascinating is that they're all deeply related to each other. They have a a lot of um, similar experiences or similar pieces of evidence. But what's really interesting and what's totally possible is that this is not necessarily spontaneous human combustion, but rather fire acting in a freak way. That if an accident happened, and, and this is where I would, uh, I don't know if this has happened before, but where scientists, if they could basically just gather up a bunch of pig bodies, humanely gathered, dre- like put, uh you know, typical human fabrics on them, I would say probably put various alcoholic beverages in them, and then give each of them like various ways to accidentally spark a fire and see how each of them react in an environment. This is a very expensive and very <laughs> intensive experiment, but See how many of these fires fully spread to engulf the whole place, the whole room or whatever else. Or if you get maybe even like half a percent of those that just burn hot fast and in one solitary location, you might start to go, "Okay, I guess we're all used to houses burning down because that is how it always tends to go. But there is a small sliver of a window that just allows the opportunity for some crazy things to happen, which is... A body burning very hot and fast due to various, I don't know, reasons, whatever those might be, but not necessarily self-created, like a fire just spontaneously creates, but rather that something initiates it, but it stays localized. And, you know, that's, to me, maybe what what's really going on here.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to sell me on any piece of it, that that would be it. Mm-hmm. For sure. I just, it's, huh. I don't know. I'm like, so precise.
1: It's very precise. So
0: powerful and precise.
1: Yeah. And it always seems to originate from inside. There all these stories don't really indicate that there's an external source or at least not as yeah. the way they're documented,
0: which I'm kind of happy about because if some if it's like, oh, it could happen on the outside of your skin, then at that point it gets really confusing. Yeah. Um I can believe like the inside of someone's like stomach, their mm-hmm. intestines, certain chemicals mixing in together. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I, that's kind of where my mind goes too. The,
0: the thing I really like about the um, the last story was the fact that there were professionals involved, and you know me, like, yeah, I, I love the fact it's like, okay, get like get the pros involved, get them in there, let's hear their opinion, let them mm-hmm. try and break it down, give them access to the uh, the scene, the crime scene, or the area, right? Uh,
1: Document you know, it, photos, get some expertise. great minds on it. Right, exactly. Unlike right the first case. Now, this is I kind of indicated this earlier, but Polonus Vorstius, that first documented case that happened back in 1470, is a complete opposite of what you know what you would expect from the modern times. Which this wasn't recorded until 1641, almost almost 200 years later. So, and it was documented almost like a, a tale passed down verbally within the family. And then eventually it made its way into a collection of stories, a book that uh, is just a collection of unique causes of death. I won't attempt the name of the book. It's like, it's, OK, I will. But <laughs> it's it's Latin. So bear with me. Historarium Anatomicarum Bariorum. Does not sound easy. I'll tell you that. much. OK. Uh, Look, you attempted it. I would <laughs> I, have. I would not there. have. It's out there. I would there have
0: attempted it because I just I'm not bold enough.
1: Yeah. So so like. You know, it, it, then it starts to make me think, okay, cool. I really like that some of these recent cases have modern science behind them, documenting things, theorizing, whatnot. But then I have to crack open the case a little bit further and start to go, can we apply what we've discussed in the past, you and I, about abductions and about aliens? Can we apply that here? Basically, a story is established, whether it's falsified, fantastical, or accidental, or real, I don't know. A story is documented and many years after that that story then starts to kind of creep into the zeitgeist a little bit and starts to pick up some steam you know maybe it takes takes a while for someone to come up with the monster of the week right sudden it takes a a, you know a really creative writer to come up with like frankenstein but then once he's out there he's all over the place you know so maybe it's just kind of one of those things but the thing turned the people's minds onto a certain subject i can see what
0: you're trying to to go with Mm -hmm. i i don't think it applies here too because like a lot of the uh, abduction stuff it's more so you kind of have to just go off of what the person is saying
1: that's true that's very true here there's
0: actual like (laughs) tangible evidence right um there's you know there's burnt
1: bodies right and regardless again of it being this phenomenon or whatnot it's it's definitely something that's happened something's happening and it's wild and very hard to explain if if at all explainable right like definitely
0: something is happening because there's there you know there's the burnt bodies Mm -hmm. Uh, how i don't i don't know
1: hey everybody trevor here once again with a couple of housekeeping notes just wanted to say right here just before you skip Uh, store.roosterteeth.com. We've got that Task Force merch out and ready and available, hot and fresh. Thank you all so much for those of you who have been buying that Task Force merch. The button, pin, badge kind of combo already sold out day one. So thank you so much. But yeah, I'm not sure exactly what's in stock right now because I am recording this in advance. But again, thank you so much for supporting the show. That really does mean a lot to us. But with that said, I do want to talk about a couple sponsors that also help the show. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Candid. Thousands of people have used Candid, the clear, comfortable, removable and practically invisible aligners to help straighten their teeth. And now they love their smile, just like Cameron from Nashville, Tennessee, who said that their life completely changed because of Candid. And Candid is here to help straighten your teeth so you can fall in love with your smile as well. Your treatment is prescribed and closely monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. You'll have the same quality of care that you'd get from an in-office orthodontist, plus the convenience of doing it from home. I was able to go to their website and see if I qualified using their very easy little survey that they have right there on the homepage. It lets them know what kind of issue you have, when you want to start, and how you found out about them and uh, right away you can figure out if you are qualified. So I really appreciate that there. Survey, super easy to use, and boom, you get that information right away. Become your best you. Start straightening your teeth today. Right now, you can actually save $75 on Candid starter kit. Go to candidco.com redweb and use code redweb. That's Candidco.com slash redweb with code redweb to take advantage of this limited time offer and save $75 on your starter kit. Candidco.com slash redweb and code redweb will tell them that we sent you. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Raycon. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm always looking at the screen now more than ever. And we all know that unplugging yourself is easier said than done. One of my favorite ways to rest my eyes and get the content I'm itching for, well, it's by putting on Raycon wireless earbuds and listening to something great. Raycons are built to perform anywhere and anytime with water and sweat resistant construction and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. Couple that with enough battery life for six hours of playtime, you can unplug for quite a while. I use Raycons when I'm going on a walk to get away from my work, just get some sun on me, get outside the house for a little bit during these quarantine times. And uh, they're super sleek looking. They're not large. They don't protrude. They look quite nice and they tuck into your ears and they don't fall out when you're walking around. So you can either run or walk or whatever you want to do with them. It's really nice to be able to plug those in and go outside, get on a walk and just listen to some good music with good quality. Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for listeners. And here's what you got to do. ...to get it, okay? Go to buyraycon.com slash redweb, and that's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order, so feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash redweb. Buyraycon.com slash redweb. But with that said, let's dive right back into the mystery. Well, what's, what's interesting is that spontaneous combustion has also been documented in nature as well, so not just humans... But it's commonly studied in hay. And so they're going, okay, well, let's take a look at this and see what we can learn from this, and maybe that will apply to humans. So it's theorized that when it comes to hay, that the moisture contained at the center of the hay bales ferment to the point where it then combusts. Now, I know what we all know. We probably all know what fermenting means. It tends to be applied to uh, the fermentation process of creating alcohol. But just for the sake of conversation, I'm gonna outline it here. It's, it's the chemical breakdown of a substance by bacteria, yeast, or other microorganisms, typically involving effervescence and giving off heat. And so that's the thing I wanted to note is that, you know, alcoholic beverages were common in a lot of the stories. And if you imbibed a truly large volume of, I don't know, maybe it was still fermenting, whether it was wine or some other alcohols, and the fermentation process suddenly kicked it up to 11 inside your system. Yeah. That spontaneous release of heat from that process, from whatever biology you got going on inside, maybe that's what it was. I, I don't know. It, but it's just interesting that the theory that we are kind of tapping into for this case is also something that's being theorized for other instances. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if
0: I was to kind of like bet on anything, it would be... Somewhere along the lines of, like, that kind of, like, theory, right? Like, that train of thought.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I've been saying it since the beginning of this episode. It's like, something is mixing with something else, and it's, it's sparking this.
1: Right. Because it's always, every case has always been nigh impossible to figure out the source of the fire. And anytime they look at it, and they look at, like, the fireplace, for example, they go, nope, that's not it. So it's interesting. So it must be a source that has been destroyed and the only source being destroyed is the self in these cases. But a couple other characteristics are found throughout multiple of these stories beyond even the ones that we covered. Uh, But these cases tend to be elderly women. They often tend to be heavy drinkers or smokers and smokers. You got to think about, you know, lighting up uh, matches, lighters, all of that sort of thing accidentally, you know, houses burn down from cigarettes all the time. Uh, There's also the commonality of diabetes, and often living alone. Now I'm not saying living alone is causing this, but I think the lack of witnesses is kind of exacerbating the unknown here. But it is a common trait. And it and it's so freaky how consistent these descriptors are. Huh. Yeah.
0: I mean a part of me goes, oh, they're just reading it from other but but then why why would you read that? Right? Because there's no there's okay. So what I'm trying to get at here is that there's no sense of like foul play, right? That's that there's no like, oh, someone is essentially trying to create this um, anomaly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that being said, it's not like aliens in the sense of like, oh, I heard this story. I want to mimic it, right? Like, I don't believe that there's old ladies out there going, <laughs> I heard this myth. I want to mimic this. And then, Right. But maybe you know, investigators
1: hear it and they go, eh, maybe it's that stuff. Maybe it's that <laughs> thing that happened. I heard about that. I mean. Uh, I can see that happening just because they just want to put some type of button on it. Right. Put an answer on something. Yep. Well, I want to talk about one case that is that is extraordinarily rare to have somebody who's lived through this and lived to tell the tale, but there is a person who claims to have survived spontaneous human combustion, and that's Frank Baker, who was going out on a fishing trip when he suddenly caught on fire. He claims that there was no source of fire, like a candle or a cigarette, just no nothing in the nearby area, and after his friend helped stop the flames, he went to the hospital and claims that the doctor said... That the fire came from inside out so now we have a situation where someone might be claiming the story but that's all we really have there uh you would think that if they went to the hospital that there would be some sort of documentation i would be deeply fascinated to hear from this doctor to say like did you not like really look in there did you have like some sort of endoscopic camera that you could take pictures of like the 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 stomach lining being burnt or something you know something right but it's interesting I mean, you know? that
0: was that that was my thought exactly, right? Mm-hmm. If this
1: person said that this happened,
0: then where's the evidence? Because
1: then... This person's writing a paper, all right? They're getting huge grant money for this. <laughs> they're, not, they're not ghosting their only living, you know, spontaneous human combustion case. Like, there would be news here. Right. And I, I feel like it's something that, I mean, because firefighters,
0: you know, like, you can track a fire. True. You, you know, you can see, like... The origin, like uh, the point of where it sparks and burns it's because the way, the way things are burnt and the, the markings and everything like that. And mm-hmm. Chemicals and whatnot. I would assume to some degree, if this person was set on fire and still alive, there'd be some part of the body that was burnt more so than others. Right. And, and then boom, there's your evidence, there's your documentation. Now, mm-hmm. whether or not this person did it to themselves, who knows? Like that's right. a whole different
1: thing. But you can at least verify that much. Right. And let me ask the question. How did you put it out if it started inside? And if it started as a chemical, there are chemical reactions that are exothermic that essentially release heat a la fire, but don't need oxygen to burn, much like thermite, in which case, good luck putting it out. So if it can burn inside of you and then the doctor is saying it's coming from inside of you, how did you and your friend put it out and how did you basically sustain no damage right no lasting damage this is a story that i think is a bit of a farce but i wanted to mention it because it is intriguing and it is one of the few cases of somebody saying hey i had this and i lived
0: yeah i i think that it's very interesting to know and tend to, to bring up simply because in my mind i was thinking there's at least one <laughs> you know what i mean right like, there's at least one yeah for me i guess i just can't ride with it simply because come on like there's got to be so much evidence and documentation and there's no way that you know just kind of believed it and then patched them up and sent them on their way right i I don't know i I would think there'd be a lot of like evidence
1: yeah and to me you know when it comes to evidence and and investigating these cases i think the biggest thing to me is that when you look at these investigations now they tend to be led by paranormal investigators rather than forensic scientists or other science fields because scientists as a whole tend to deny the possibility of a fire starting without any sort of external source. And I guess, you know, science doesn't know what it doesn't know yet, but we know quite a bit now, especially about fire chemical reactions. And so I think there is something kind of baked in when you start to hear that it's mostly paranormal pseudoscience investigators. That kind of, it, it kind of starts to tip your your thoughts uh, one way over the other, but. True. But having said that, what's interesting is that there was a forensic analyst, John F. Fisher, and a paranormal skeptic, Joe Nickel, that both led a two year long study on SHC back in 1984. Now, this is where some interesting kind of points come out. So they used common qualities from many reported cases to try to explain what was going on with this phenomenon, but they focused on the death of Monsieur Charbonnier. Uh, in 1847. This particular case was uh, the death of a person who was found laying in bed almost completely burned with a small white flame that was still burning. So now we have witnesses of saying, okay, well, there's, there's still a flame happening here and it's very small and very white. So maybe there's a unique case here. Well, they found that most of the victims when they were doing this study were actually near some kind of flame counter to what was said earlier, but that newspapers left that detail out So that way the story felt a little bit more ominous. So on one hand, we have people saying, there's no flames in there. You know, the story is there's no flames, but they're finding when they looked a little deeper that there were in fact possible sources of flame in most of these cases. And that to make it a little bit more sensational, right? You need to sell papers. Let's just leave that out make people go, wow. They also said that because of intoxication, And that was a common trait here. You know, the drinking was that victims were more likely to stumble into flames and they could not properly respond by whether it's stop, drop, roll, right? The basics, taking off the clothes, finding a way to put out the flame, getting help or whatever. And so basically, if they were severely intoxicated, it would be something where they couldn't properly react and that it would just kind of engulf them. But to me,
0: that just seems like a common fire. And in that case, why wouldn't the whole building go up?
1: That's true, and that's kind of where I guess my idea comes in, which is like maybe they're just uniquely localized, and it's a very rare case. Um, every other case that it wasn't localized and that the whole house did go down, we just call a fire. And so all these strange cases where they are localized, I guess we just haven't really seen that happen, and so we, we have to call it something yeah. else, or... I don't know. I, I
0: see what you're getting at. No, and trust. I mean, like, I definitely see what you're getting at. I think. I think the thing there is then, but then it's hot enough to burn the body, right? Because then, God, it just, it just behaves, unlike fire.
1: Yeah. Well, one one thing that they mentioned, just on that note, is because this will play into the theories a little bit. They were noting that in a lot of these cases, the body was totally cremated, but they started to hypothesize that the melted fat from the bodies would obviously liquefy and then soak into the clothes, the blankets, the chairs, whatever was nearby, and that that would be what was fueling the fire. So much like you could uh, soak a little paper ball in rubbing alcohol, and then you could light that on fire. You could hold that in your hands, and then you could blow it out, and the paper would be essentially untouched because the fire was essentially consuming the rubbing alcohol. And obviously then you blew it out. I'm eventually the paper could be on fire or the rubbing alcohol could burn off and then the paper's totally fine. But that's kind of what they're starting to lay the groundwork of. They're, they're thinking, okay, maybe the the melted fat from the body localized the fire and kept it, kept it feeding on that rather than the environment.
0: Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Now we're starting to get into something.
1: Which, again, I would want to say that the fire would leap to something else still, instinctually. But this does kind of make sense to my... Normal person brain, <laughs> but
0: this is what I'm thinking though. Like, and and I have done no research on this whatsoever. But like, when you see stuntmen who set themselves on fire, it usually doesn't catch a whole bunch of other things on fire, right? Because it's consuming whatever the the chemical is that's lathered onto the body, right? And the clothing, etc. It's right. not just like setting things. Because like you'll see a lot of scenes where like stuntman will be set on fire and they're touching a whole bunch of things,
1: but they're not setting other things on fire. Oh man! Mm. Oh, ooh, interesting. Yeah, ooh. and then and then one last note when it comes to this, and this is once again going to lay some of the groundwork for the theories. In 2002, Angie M. Christensen at the University of Tennessee compared healthy and osteoporotic bones in cremation. Essentially, healthy bones and bones of those who are a bit elderly or had osteoporosis, corrosion of you know whatever. I'm not a doctor, so when they tested these two types of bones in cremation, they found that the osteoporotic bones. Uh, displayed more discoloration and a greater degree of fragmentation than the healthy ones did, which is something to note because a lot of these victims that we discussed earlier were in fact elderly, right? So there is a chance that their bones were a bit more brittle, and so they would be more likely to burn and disintegrate in a fire. And then another part of their experiment, which is the second part, they found that when they burned human tissue, that it actually burned quite small. And that they said this is what explains why the fire didn't spread beyond the body. Is that sure? They burned, uh, unfortunately, but because of that, it doesn't, you, we're all picturing big fires because when things get consumed and engulfed in flame, you just right. think raging fire, very tall. But they're saying, hey, when we burned human tissue, it actually didn't burn all that big. And so I don't know what this situation would look like, but that's probably why it stayed localized to them. And so combining these two things, we start to get a little bit of the science coming involved and in saying okay so maybe there's some accidents and maybe there's part of our anatomy that can explain why the fire stays localized whether it's that kind of candle sort of effect with the fat or if it's the size of the flame i don't know yeah because there's
0: different types of flames and i just i didn't even think about it like depending on the material that is burning it could right it could localize the fire
1: Mm-hmm. possibly yeah,
0: it's more believable now. I didn't even. Yeah, I just didn't even think about that angle.
1: It's yeah. just so crazy
0: to me that it'd be a localized fire that essentially just incinerates a human being to just ash. Mm-hmm. But I guess if they have brittle bones and ah man, like it's just like
1: before it can spread, it consumes its y- fuel. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. I'm buying into this. This is actually helping me feel a little bit better about this because like it's very it's kind of it's creepy. But then when you start to really apply some science to it, you're like, oh, OK, no, no, no. These theories start to make me feel a little bit more comfortable in the predictable, in the in the known. Right. Man. OK. It's still so
0: baffling to me though, that they would consume a oh, man burn. So it's just like you got to have the right mixture of mm-hmm. components within a human being.
1: Right. Right. Well, with that said, that's kind of like the stories, the background of spontaneous human combustion. We've theorized a little bit ourselves, but let's dive more officially into the theories section, talking about a couple of different ways that people have theorized that this has come to be. The first one being uh, chemical effects, because there are many theories that certain chemicals that are present in the body can cause it to spontaneously combust. And that's something that you and I were kind of you know, mulling over a little bit at the beginning, uh, whether it was something that consumed, that kind of instigated it or or some other phenomenon. But in the case of Matilda Rooney's death, investigators believe that her body spontaneously combusted as a result of high amount of alcohol, creating a high amount of heat and gases that eventually then turned into flames. And, you know, once again, this kind of goes back to the somebody's vomiting up flames, someone's spitting flames from their mouth there's and then somebody else said that the flames started their stomach there's a lot to kind of go into this that says yes something is happening in the stomach region and internally and because of that because so many of these cases originate from the stomach there was a chemist named dr john emsley that proposed that an overproduction of diphosphane could cause hydrogen and methane gases to combust so here we have it now now we have someone who actually knows what's going on in the body right saying Okay, a certain chemical could be in play that if these other two chemicals also happen to be in play at the same time and a rare instance occurs, boom, combustion is possible. Yeah, I
0: I totally believe that. Yeah. I can see that happening. It's just the the weird thing that, okay, like I feel like how they could possibly just ignite makes sense. Mm hmm. Now very late into this episode how it could only consume just a human being and not anything else really kind of starting to see that picture oh man
1: it's pretty wild yeah but another theory and this one's a little interesting comes from brian j ford it's centered around the idea of ketosis you might recognize that term but ketosis is essentially a bodily response to low carb diets or sometimes alcoholism so Basically, the keto diet causes ketosis. I'll keep it as simple as that. Uh, Ketosis creates extra acetone in the body. This is the main chemical found in nail polish, and it's highly flammable. The night Mary Reeser passed away, she actually skipped dinner, so she could have been in a state of ketosis. Now, with all of that said, you and I very well know a person in our lives that is very much into the keto diet. And I know the keto diet is very trendy right now, and a lot of people are having great success with it. You would imagine that in a world where keto is at the forefront, right? More prominent now than probably ever. Mm-hmm. That cases, if this was the originating would factor, rise. that cases would rise. Exactly. I don't know if that's going to happen. But if our old pals out there, kill the diet. I don't want you burning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stop. <no. laughs> Stop what you're doing. But that's interesting, though. That really is interesting. And I—and i this is where I really dig it, right? I like the eerie, but I just as equally love science trying to get in there and figure it out like oh maybe it was the oxidation of phosphine diphosphine and methane which is a chemical reaction known as will of the wisps and that's another theory that people have uh that this is the same chemical reaction that's happening in the body that's creating these flames
0: look i mean that's what i want for a lot of these episodes it's mm-hmm. like scientists get in there you know right. i mean break this down right um, theorize this to pieces we got we got a handful of that I man, this isn't as when we first went into this I was like oh damn is that a real thing I just hear about that in the movies to like oh come on how is it and now I'm kind of towards the tail end going I can see that you can see possible. it happening yeah
1: yeah it's <laughs> wild
0: what a roller coaster
1: now some of these paranormal authors are not helping the case I'll be real so we have Lewis proud for example who has is an author theorized that spontaneous human combustion could originate from the malfunction of electricity in the body, and that's where I say, okay, calm down. I don't know. Listen, there there's definitely things happening in the brain that could be likened to electricity, some firing of neurons and whatnot. But we're not robots. Let's not apply like the most basic understanding of electricity to the body and be like, oh, I had a short circuit in my brain, I'm a fire. That's just I don't know. Maybe I'll be like uh, j- 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 like one of those people that. The future looks back on it and goes, wow, the the past was dumb. They had no idea. (laughs) There's absolutely electricity in the body. Everyone's flying around like Electro, shooting electricity from their hands, (laughs) charging their phones while they're texting. That'd be cool. You know, Shazam.
0: I mean, there's got to be some there's got to be something like hundreds, thousands of years from now. It's like, man, they just really got it wrong. They just really got it wrong. And if they just adjusted this to that, boom, Mm -hmm. open up all space travel, whole new world, (laughs) some crazy, something wild.
1: But to close off this idea that it's chemical reaction, you know, a lot of people are opponents to this idea because the body is 70 percent water on average and that that would create an environment that is very unlikely to start a fire. And that's where I then say, yes, but that's why we're talking about chemicals. Like once again, we go back to thermite, right, where where you don't need oxygen and it can if those kind of chemical reactions can happen within water. So I don't know. It's interesting. I think it gets very close to a- attempting to explain something that we clearly know very little about and that way it does kind of make it a little less eerie.
0: Yeah, it didn't step too far into the eerie for me. I do like, though, how I was very much afraid that not that it was going to step into the eerie, but that it was going to step into the like, oh, this person said they saw it or that person said they saw this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't really get broken down especially like scientifically which is pretty cool but oh man I could start man you know I could start to really see this
1: (laughs) yeah my gut kind of like when first thinking about this and I guess what what makes it so creepy to me is as a kid I'm like what I don't want to I don't want to turn into fire suddenly but I know better now I know that I'm not an old lady with with a drinking habit um Chemical effects, really, like, that's what my gut was kind of going for. But the more we talked about this and the more we started hearing about, you know, John F. Fisher, Joe Nickel, uh, Angie M. Christensen, these other experts in the field, the more I started, you know, we started talking about this other idea, which is the next theory. And it's, in fact, the leading theory of this phenomenon, and that's known as the Wick effect, that these fires and deaths are the result of this effect wherein the body is consumed by fire and the victim's clothes and surroundings, right, if you're on the couch, act as the wick of the candle.
0: Interesting.
1: Yes, that the fire is actually caused by an unknown source, something like a candle or a cigarette or, or ash or something of that nature, something mundane and explainable. But that your body then, you know, whether it's the melting of your fat or that your clothes or whatever, basically that you are an inside out candle. And a candle works in the sense that there's a wick that if you burned the wick by itself, it would basically burn down relatively quickly, like a shoestring, and then just be gone. What makes it last so long is that it's pulling up liquefied, melted wax through the wick, burning the wax, and that's the major part of the flame, is wax burning. Uh, And the wick slowly burns therein. Mm -hmm. But basically, that's what they're kind of hypothesizing here. That's an interesting theory. Right. The only challenge here is that, again, all the evidence is consumed by the fire, so it makes it very hard for investigators to pinpoint this as what's actually yeah. going on, unless you start going out and burning, you know, humanely sourced pig bodies, you know, or or cadavers that volunteer for science or, or whatever. There's no real way unless you start putting tissues through this. And that's if you really wanted to figure this out.
0: I mean, I'd say throw a couple of cadavers at it. You volunteering? I mean, easy. When, you're, <laughs> when
1: you're old and gray and you passed on yeah. from sure. choking on Why a... Not? Cheerio! (laughs) (laughs) At the tender age of 112. I mean, oh God, I hope I'm not 112. That
0: just sounds painful.
1: 111, (laughs) and (laughs) uh, (laughs) that's good. That's good. Yeah, I I think this one sounds very interesting. So the body. So basically, what's happening is the body's melting fat acts as the fire's continuous source to keep the flame going, and the clothes keep the flame contained to the body. As the flame basically sits on your clothes, like the wick holds the flame. Your body is the the wax of the candle and it holds it there against you as your body continues to smolder. And obviously, at, at scale, that's your whole body, and maybe it goes up quickly because it's both feeding on your body while also burning your body, which is uh, morbid.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds gruesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, and then they're saying, uh, because the feet and the lower legs have so much less fat content than the rest of the body, that the fire simply runs out of fuel and stops. And in this case, I also do want to say, you know, the the woman whose foot I saw when I searched the case, she might have been sitting on her right foot. I do that all the time, and maybe that's why there was no right foot, but the left foot, you know, it's not that there was clothes there, right? Maybe she was wearing a robe or some shorts or whatever, but but yeah, I mean, I'm feeling my lower ankle right now, and it's bony as heck. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> but like, but truly, that is definitely a more bony kind of area of the body, and so that makes sense.
0: That was a passing thought I had in the beginning of the episode, was like, is it is it that the ankles don't burn because there's, I don't know, you know, less something there or something like that? It's
1: definitely mostly bone. This guy right here, squeezing my own ankle. <laughs> yeah. Not much to burn there. Truly, uh, it, it would basically be like when the candle gets at the bottom, and uh, and that's literally what's happening. Uh, when you have uh, there's wax there, but there's not enough, and so you're like, dang it, this candle smelled really good. This right. is a bad analogy. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's really uh that's really interesting. And so basically what they're saying is that yes, there's there's just a normal source of the fire and that a unique set of circumstances went into place to keep it localized, whether it be body composition or or uh, you know, being inebriated in a way that you you couldn't move around very much or reflect because that's oh, that's another thing, right? The one woman we were talking about, uh Mary she was uh, taking barbiturates and she had planned to take two more. And so she could have very much been out of it, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. okay. Oh, man. I didn't even think, I didn't even process that till right now. Dang. Okay. Ooh. This is, this is, this
0: turn actually makes sense. Oddly enough.
1: <laughs> oddly enough. I'm, yeah, I'm like holding my cheeks going, like, Oh my God, did we figure like, it out? I can't,
0: can I, like, ugh. I can't quite fit all of it together, Uh-huh. but I'm like, I feel like I have a bunch of pieces that make sense. Like they're a part of a set.
1: I just don't know how the set goes together. Right, 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 right. I've seen, I've seen the light, but I, I don't know how to get there. What's another interesting fact is right here uh, in 1998, there was an episode of QED. Dr. Dougal Drysdale illustrated this very same wick effect using animal fat wrapped in cotton. The fire burns very slowly and upwards, as you could imagine. Uh, But that was basically demonstrating why everything surrounding the body wasn't damaged, that it all went upward and that it was all localized because of that cotton. What's interesting is that there's a greasy residue that's caused by the burning body fat. And so if this greasy residue is common at these sites that people are, you know, spontaneously combusting, that that could go to add to this theory, right, that that is the result of burnt body fat. Right. Wow. That's interesting.
0: It's, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. This is making sense to me. Oddly enough, I'm I like more and more. I don't feel like I'm crazy. I've been like, hey, it
1: kind of makes sense. Right. But I guess, you know, when it, just looking at the study more, just reading a little bit more about it, it's saying here that the only thing counter to this wick effect, the only thing counter to this theory here is that the body or the the, the stand-in for the body here wasn't totally cremated and that the heat reached around 1.4 to 1.4 thousand to 2,000, so, so uh, degrees Fahrenheit, somewhere in that range. Now, one thing that is worth mentioning when it comes to this experiment, though, because it because it is fascinating and it does demonstrate this phenomenon very well, it doesn't, however, I don't think, demonstrate how the body could be totally cremated, because to do that you need quite the temperature, and uh, studies show anywhere between 1,400 and 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, Celsius. I'm sorry, you're on your own, <laughs> um, but. The fat in this QED experiment did not burn to complete ash like one would suspect if it were a spontaneous combustion case. So you know, there is a little bit in this, uh, some variables in play that don't necessarily align with what we're witnessing here.
0: Yeah, I think the hard thing is just like, it burns so hot Mm -hmm. that it burns the body to ash. Like that's so over the top.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm thinking? And I know it says here, too, in our theories section that, you know, yes, it could be the alcohol or the medication or the age all combined that kind of prevent the victim from moving too much. But when you really think about it, and this is common with stuntmen, when they are doing fire, especially when they're lighting themselves on fire, they have to hold their breath or in some way look after themselves because the fire will pull the oxygen from your lungs. It can really suck that out of you as it's consuming more oxygen Then you are able to safely breathe. It's consuming all the oxygen around you. That's crazy. And so there is a possibility here that the reason why people fully cremate, and I'm just kind of spitballing.
0: Right, right.
1: They fully cremate because maybe they succumb. Not only do they not move because of barbiturates or medication or alcohol, but or their age, but rather they incapacitate, they're passed, they're knocked out, right? They pass out because of the lack of oxygen oxygen or the smoke inhalation or whatever. And so they're actually unconscious. And then the fire just kind of, finishes the job unfortunately wow that actually really all combines to make a lot of sense to me wow dude i could see whole yeah yep 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 yeah
0: (laughs) like i could this is oddly enough making a lot of sense yeah i don't know how it all pieces together though and there's some parts that are very wild i don't know man
1: yeah so those two theories i think are very strong they actually give me a lot of comfort in a, in a weird way of figuring out this phenomenon. And it. I feel like coming out of these two theories in particular that I know way more about what's actually going on here than I did otherwise. But as always, I would be remiss if I didn't address some of the other more fantastic theories that are out there. Theories, whether they were at the time, historic theories or theories that maintain to this day that are actually kind of interesting in in their own ways. But let's dive in. Obviously, some of the smaller theories include that this is murder. That these are cases of murder that are very unique and and confined to these locations, that have very strange results. Uh, obviously, with the burning and whatnot. But many people think that these are just straight up cases of murder.
0: Well, the thing about that is that the the big time jumps and so many different. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's so precise and consistent throughout mm-hmm. every case. To tell to to sit here and say. Well, it's this person murder, knows how to right? do it, and then that person also knows how to do it hundreds of years later. And there's you know, we only talked about a handful of cases here, but there's about two hundred some cases or whatever, and right. None of them like nobody slipped up somewhere.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, like, I mean that's true.
0: That's that's what like and I'm actually happy that in my mind I I'm ruling that out and I could feel like I could comfortably rule that
1: out. Yeah. Especially, like we said before, especially when somebody who was staying over the night, the person who would be the suspect of murder also passed away two weeks later. And I don't think that they were trying to say, this will clear my name, and then they also pass away. I I don't know. Yeah. But again, that's just a cursory glance. But another one that kind kind of goes weirdly hand in hand with this is divine intervention. That is, that a god or some other higher being stepped in. In some way. And this was very popular in the time of these happening, right? The, the historical ones. Newspapers like to publish that this was what was going on. Because, you know, the further back in time you go, the more religious people tend to be. And so people are saying, you're being judged. Right. You're living a life of debauchery filled with drinking, uh, self-pleasure, whatever it might be. Or maybe because these people are living alone, people like start spreading stories about them. I don't know. But that was one of the popular theories at the time as well one interesting one that I hadn't even properly thought about was that this is poltergeist activity. Now, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but when you think about what a poltergeist is, the paranormal investigators explain poltergeists as the physical manifestation of your outward emotions, right? That whatever it is, the the entity, the ghost, or whatever, it's it's manifesting because of your outward emotions and that this is the opposite of poltergeist behavior in that huh? something is manifesting internally because of what's going on with your emotions or what's going on in your life. And so that is to say that your thoughts can absolutely impact your surroundings as well as your internal. And maybe this is a, you know, maybe an ability that people might have. I don't know, but it is an interesting theory. I'm not necessarily subscribing to it, but it's a, right. it's a way of su- describing I mean- this that I hadn't thought about.
0: I agree with you completely. It's an it's a very interesting take on it. Um this is definitely in that category of like, okay, here are the very crazy over the top right like theories of, of said episode. <laughs>
1: right. That's where this is where you start to go, that is technically an explanation. Yeah, right. Like okay,
0: yeah, you okay, you weave together a story uh right. in your head that you can believe. Right. I see why you would believe it. Uh <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. little out there for me though.
1: And I think, you know, like there's some other explanations here that are more modern, right, that that are inspired by the Matrix, for example, and that some people kind of take this as a glitch in the Matrix that we are living in a simulation and that our consciousness is simulating this life in some way and that there's a bug. That, that's all that it is, that there's truly a glitch in this simulation and that that causes us, whether we're a program or whatever, to to combust, to be erased in some way.
0: All right. I mean, I would say that that person probably has like a, a leather duster as well.
1: Oh, they have a leather, you know, the clip on sunglasses <laughs> that clip to the bridge of your nose. Yeah. You know, they got they got that mall ninja stuff. And and they also probably explain everything with this same theory. This is one of those catch all's. You're like, ah, we're in the Matrix. Yeah, that explains everything. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's always the excuse. It's the Matrix. It's the Matrix yeah. doing this, doing that.
1: Something a little bit more fascinating that I actually kind of really find interesting is ball lightning. Ball lightning is another unproven phenomenon wherein small, sometimes even pea-sized balls of lightning that last longer than a typical lightning strike are flying around, floating around, and can interact with people by way of lighting them on fire or creating microwaves inside their bodies that energize, much like an actual microwave would, energize your cells inside of you and create combustion in some way. Now, ball lightning is certainly an interesting phenomenon. I don't know if I would apply it here, but it's definitely something I think we should look at down the road.
0: Oh lightning.
1: I, d- I don't know much about it, but it's a, it's basically lightning in an orb. And, it, and it's, it's like, instead of lightning going from one point to another point, cloud to sky, back and forth, the dissipation of energy, it's instead trapped for some unknown reasons because it's all unproven, that the lightning gets trapped into a ball of some sort, lasts a little bit longer than a normal strike, which is instant, and then... Fizzles out. I don't know. I really don't know much about it. That's a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, I wa- it's very strange. And the last one I, wa- I wanted to touch on was by an author named Larry E. Arnold. They theorized, okay, it's going to sound very smart until it doesn't. They theorized that there was a new subatomic particle existing in the body fat of humans called pyrotrons, and that simply, when a person is stressed and drinking alcohol, they are likely to combust. And there you have it. The explanation that is not an explanation. Basically (laughs) saying, well, it happens. I mean, there would be so many other cases. Yeah. Find me that Pyrotron and and we'll talk. So many other cases. Oh, yeah. I would have burst into flames in high school. Talking about (laughs) stress. Okay, not drinking. I was straight edge. But no, talking about stress, though. Absolutely. My Pyrotrons would have been all over the place. But it's yeah. interesting, I, you know. I wanted to, I wanted to address it. It is it is out there, but there are a lot of very interesting, more out there theories. But uh, in wrapping up, Fredo, how do you feel on these theories? Let's let's go back to our old scale, one to ten. One, I don't know if we did zero to ten or whatever, but one to ten. One being you don't believe it, not even for a second. Ten, you're fully convinced. How are you feeling on any of these theories, and which one do you kind of lean on a little I bit? I
0: mean. Look, I I'll, I'll throw down a. Oh God, I was okay. So my gut was gonna tell me a six because okay, originally I was like, originally I was like, ah, it's like a two. Come on, um, you're telling me like, and then this then this is the whole like, does the you know is spontaneous combustion within a human body a thing? I'd be like, nah, it's a two. <sighs> my gut tells me to give it. You know, I mean, I've been telling you the way I feel throughout this whole entire episode. Right. Right i lean a little bit more towards it so i can give it like a six but just the fact that like it does happen it's this isn't like i you know listen us listening to someone saying i saw this happen it's right like, exactly people have died there is actual fires evidence. are happening
1: man uh i gotta lean towards like a seven on it I okay give it a little bit more dang okay here's the thing i, w- I just went instant gut check I really like the chemical theory. I think that's where my my old engineer brain wanted to the go. the chemical
0: theory, if, if anything.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's if you're subscribing to something happening inside, a chemical reaction or whatever, that spontaneous combustion exists. Now, I personally go with the wick effect, and I give it a strong nine, because therein, it basically says that it isn't spontaneous combustion, that there's actually an explanatory... Pr- like, there is a source of flame somewhere, and that for for whatever reason that's either not told it's not noticed it's not seen that's starting the flame and then the wick effect takes over that's kind of where i'm at and in that spontaneous combustion isn't in play that we're not just like lighting up and internally on fire by accident right so I'm, i'm giving that wick effect like i'm feeling like that's really strong i wanted to say nine but that's close to saying like that is it but i'm up there uh as far as the chemical thing if if assuming Spontaneous combustion was a phenomenon that existed because something happened internally and we just lit on fire. Then I'd be like, "All right, it's chemical effects for sure." Right. But just uh. as an idea coming into all this, I was like, "Spontaneous combustion. I. I think it's just something that is unique, rare, and unexplained because of it. I. I don't think that necessarily it, it yeah. is something that happens. But it's. It's very fascinating. I remember hearing about it when I was younger." But mm-hmm. kind of haven't heard about it since. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was just really funny because, like I said, I never
0: go into these episodes really knowing um, what we're going to get into. Mm-hmm. And when you were like, all right, we're going to talk about spontaneous combustion. my Like, my mind. You're like, what? <laughs> combusted. <laughs> I was like, what? How do, are you talking about that fake thing in the movies? <laughs> and then uh, we're going to talk about the Matrix. <laughs> uh,
1: this is a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was really interesting. I'm I, I really fascinated.
0: I like that you're throwing uh, a bunch of just different things my way. Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep you on your toes. Like every week, I, I'm not, you know what I mean? I don't sit here and go, ah, it's going to be, um, you know, uh, an internet case or a murder or um, X, Y, Z. It's it's so all over the place, but in like a, yeah. in a good way because there's, I don't know. It keeps it fresh for me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as much as we, I say we, Chris and I, like, we really started all of this off with internet mysteries because I feel like that is a realm that is just deeply unexplored. And I really like that, that kind of, as it were, new frontier of mysteries. And there's still a lot to dive into, but it's, the internet's not as old as time itself. And so Mm -hmm. there's only so much to cover. There's only so many things that have enough meat on the bone to deliver here in the podcast that's why we kind of do some uh, some compilation episodes that are some smaller ones that are still really fascinating but i mean i just really like mysteries in general and uh-huh. uh and i really enjoy that you guys in the audience have really been resonating with all the different types of topics we've covered because it's just fascinating fredo you and i to sit down and and hash out some of these things that have like i think we have to do bermuda triangle at one point because that's probably Oh, That's yeah, probably my yeah. gateway mystery.
0: Yeah, I feel like for a lot of people, that's where it started off.
1: Yeah. I remember in third grade, I distinctly remember this. It was third grade. They were showing us the 2000 election stuff on, I don't know why. I don't know if the teachers were just interested or if they were trying to educate us about the whatever. But I remember being distracted and talking to my friend. I was like, listen, when I get older, I'm going to sail into the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> whatever happens, I'm going to see that thing. Whatever happens to me, if I get struck by uh, this... Uh, ethereal being who sucks me out of the world I don't know I was like I just want to see I want to see what the answer is right. whether I make it out the other side or not and uh, and that's another just teaser of where I'm going to take you maybe someday in the future it's just going to send you out into the world conquering these mysteries just mano y mano hand on hand we're just going out there physically tackling these mysteries yeah well no
0: no no you keep trying to drive it home and i'm getting further and further away from you as as we are on the same
1: page we i can feel it we are further yeah we're so far from home we're gonna we're out there where the mysteries are i can feel it now yeah history channel we're your guys uh just two boys and a couple of mysteries that's the name of the show you got one guy Got yeah, two guys, two confident boys.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, Fredo, thank you again for your uh, for your lovely thoughts here on, on another mystery. It always is. Yeah. Everybody else, thank you so much for continuing to share the podcast. Word of mouth. Always important uh, for leaving us those reviews on Apple, for hitting us up on Richseat.com, where you can comment on the episode that's uploaded there uh, and, and all that. Oh, yeah. And, and we've got the merch out now, don't we? So yeah, if you want to support us directly, you can go to store.roosterteeth.com. But anyway, uh, with all that out of the way, thank you guys again, and we'll see you all next week for another mystery.